We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 495 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer and editor for Packer Reports. You can always follow me on Twitter at NFL. Today, we're going to be discussing the Packers' 31-13 win over the New York Giants, guaranteeing the Packers their first winning season since 2016, picking up their ninth win on the year. And joining me tonight is the one and only Dusty Evely, who would you, you know you would usually find uh, doing a tremendous Thursday show along with Steve and Sarah. Uh, he, of course, is a writer and analyst for Cheesehead TV as well as for Packer Report and does some of the absolute best film work that you will find. You can follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evely. Dusty, thank you so incredibly much for joining me this evening. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, dude. Happy to you know talk some ball with you, Andy. It's been, been a little while, but it should be a good time. Yeah, it's been a little bit too long. I'm excited to, to catch back up with you and uh, get your takeaways from the Packers' 31-13 to win over those Giants on the road in New York. I want to just start, I guess, by asking your initial reactions and takeaways from today game, today's game. What was kind of the condensed version of, of what you felt while you were watching this game? Uh, the score, I feel like this, the final score doesn't necessarily dictate um, how, how the game necessarily went. I mean, 31 to 13 looks like a blowout because it, it kind of is, um, but it was closer than I feel like it should have been uh, for the vast majority of the game. Um, I like the score. I like any score that's reversed, uh, you know, 42-24, 31-13. So it's, it's a pleasing <laughs> score to be on the right side of that, so I'm okay with that. Um, you know, uh, it's in the snow. Some of that's, It's kind of tough to really figure a lot of things out, I think, but I think they, they maybe found something in Lazard. You know, I haven't gone through, and, and I'm rewatching now because I'm a true professional, Andy, while I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> but I I think how they use Lazard, I mean, one of the things I've been harping about, <clears throat> excuse me, has been kind of the lack of speed the Packers have at, at the wide receiver position. And I think with Lazard kind of running some of those deep routes, I'm curious to kind of when the coaching foam comes out, that's something I'm going to be focusing on, is kind of looking because they've been running MVS on those things. And it's hard to work because you don't have the, the second speedster threatening the safety to pull anyone up to do anything with that, to, op- to help open that up the way it should be opened up. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the Packers were doing, but they hit a couple of those to Lazard. Uh, so if they found something there as far as running Lazard on those and maybe using NVS or someone else to kind of pull those safeties up, that's something that I'm, I'm for sure looking at. Um, so that was, that was, I think that was really cool to see a couple of those kind of deep posts hit to not MVS. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the running game didn't really work. Uh, I didn't really expect it to. That's the one area the Giants are pretty good at. Uh, the defense had some holes, clearly. 
Uh, but overall, um, yeah, 31-13 victory in the snow. It's uh, kind of nice. Wasn't bad. You know, a little more stressful than I hoped, but it was kind of nice. I, I got to laugh at Daniel Jones for a little bit too, which was fun. Yeah, there was. there's a lot to unpack there, and I think you hit on a lot of the things that I wanted to discuss as well. First of all, let's talk about that score for a moment because I'm going to totally toot my own horn here. Packer report, <laughs> I nailed the score, 31-13 in the predictions. I nailed the interceptions. I completely biffed the fact that Aaron Jones was going to have a good game, but uh, I hit the score 31-13 <laughs> on the head, so that is my excitement for the day. That's awesome. Uh, in, in more serious note, uh, you know, Alan Lazard, I was going to touch base on him a little bit later, but screw it, let's talk about him now. Um, <laughs> you know, you had mentioned, you know, some of the things about him getting open deep and is it, you know, how did they actually go about doing that? Uh, one of the things I noted in my review this past week, he had one play specifically where he completely burned by Richard Sherman and uh, Rogers just didn't see him on the right-hand side. Uh, that was a very impressive play where he got him right off the line of scrimmage. Rogers didn't see him. Then he scrambled to his side. Great job of coming back to the ball. Some reason Rodgers didn't throw it to him again and scrambled for four yards instead of picking up 25. But I digress. It was a beautiful route by Alan Lazard. There was another play in the game, and I don't know if this is maybe something that they went back to with this Lazard play because there was another play in the game where, uh, and this is again last week, where Rodgers threw one of his deep balls to, to Devontae Adams. It was actually the one where uh, Adams threw his arms up and was looking for interference, and there was no interference on the play. Mm-hmm. And Lazar came wide open in a post in the middle of the field. And, again, unfortunately, Rodgers didn't see him. He, he looked to get it deep to Adams, which is usually a really good idea. Uh, but in this situation, Lazard was wide open in the middle of the field. So Lazard worked his way open a couple different times in that game and had nothing really to show for it. This game, they get him kind of going early with a couple big catches. And I've just been so incredibly impressed by what he's been able to do. Outside of maybe Elton Jenkins, who's obviously playing in his rookie season, uh, he has to be on the top of the list. For, for breakout performers for the Packers. And uh, I really think that they have something there as a number two receiver, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's um, I, I think overall, like, he's, he's fairly limited in his skill set, but if they use him that, I mean, I, I think I'd be with you as far as him being a breakout player if they had used, if they've used him more, and hopefully they will going Fair. forward. Because that's the thing, it's, it's, He's he's been good when he's been out there. It's just his playing time seems to be limited. It's been picking up the past couple of weeks. I feel like, but it's it's been kind of hit or miss whether he sees the field or not. But to me, I feel like his he's um he's kind of like a like a better upside Geronimo Allison. He's still got some of his limitations. He's a little quicker. Uh, he plays faster than his forty time. I feel like he still does have an issue with the drops, especially on the easy ones, the harder ones. He seems to make with zero issues whatsoever. Uh, but I think there's limitations to his game, but. He can be a very, very solid uh, – I mean, if he's your three or four, you're doing really, really well. Yeah, he had four targets today, three catches, and he also – actually, excuse me, three targets, three catches, but also drew a big-time holding penalty that picked up a first down as well. So uh, really nice day for him. Uh, again, over 100 yards and a touchdown. My other big takeaways, and uh, this may come across as a little, you know, curmudgeon or maybe this is in Town or whatever you want to call it. Uh, as you mentioned, this was a, a 31-13 to win, and on a day when the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Redskins all won games, it's a fantastic reminder that you can can't take wins in the NFL, especially on the road, for granted. Again, Bengals, Dolphins, Redskins all lose today. In fact, if you would have said Bengals, Dolphins, Redskins, and Giants, three of the four teams would win today, I would not have felt good at all <laughs> going into those games. This game yeah. that the Packers were going to be the one that won that game. But, uh, you know, again, don't take, don't take it for granted. They won on the road in the NFL, and there was a lot of good here. Four touchdowns by Rodgers. I thought Jamal Williams ran hard. Lazard, mm-hmm. we mentioned. J.K. Scott got back into form a little bit. Three interceptions by the defense. 31-13 to 13 win on the road. There's a lot that looks sexy on paper, and credit where credit's due. They won the turnover battle 3 to nothing. but I didn't think that this was a particularly great game for Green Bay. I thought this was an okay game for Green Bay, where the Giants were... It was maybe more about the Giants being bad uh, than the Packers being good, and, and one of the big reasons I say that is, if you kind of look at it, these two teams were very similar uh, from an efficiency standpoint and from a you know, how they played the game standpoint throughout the course of the game, except for one big area, and that was turnovers, which the Packers won 3 to nothing. which if you win the 3 
nothing turnover margin, you're going to win almost every time in the NFL. But I wish those turnovers were a little bit more due to what the Packers did uh, rather yeah. than just Daniel Jones being a rookie quarterback. The, the first throw was a terrible read to Kevin King. The second throw was a, a what should have been a completion for a first down. Instead, it was an overthrow uh, to Darnell Savage. The third one, maybe a little bit more where Tremont Williams made a nice play on that ball, but probably still not a ball that Jones should have thrown. I would have liked to have you know, seen a little bit more uh, that the Packers were forcing those turnovers, and, and I'd have to go back and look. Maybe there was a lot of pressure up front, but either way, I thought this was a okay game by the Packers, a bad performance more by the Giants. Yeah, I'd say that. I, I mean, the, this well, and the Giants, uh, <laughs> the Giants have to play really, really well uh, in order to turn in a competent game, uh, just just based on kind of what their limitations are. And so, yeah, they didn't they didn't play a particularly good game. The <laughs> the Savage interception we were talking about as we were watching the game, like that was a uh, that's a haha Clinton Dick special. Just yeah. kind of stand back there, and one will be floated to you eventually. Um, that's not to equate Darnell Savage and, and Ha Clinton Dix. That is not what I'm doing here. Uh, but that's exactly what that looked like. A lot of those. So yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you're exactly right. The, the Packers, I thought I thought looked better than they had in past weeks. Um, but I also think the Giants, the Giants were just bad, and you assumed at some point Daniel Jones was going to throw balls to you, and hey, he did, uh, and then that was fine. So yeah, it, it's. Like I said, it's in the snow. It's tough to take a bunch from this game. Um, it's more encouraging than getting uh, just walloped by the Niners, I guess, but it's not like this was a – they've turned everything around. Everything's 100% now. They still have things to clean up. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and like I said, uh, this is the NFL. Any team can win on any Sunday. And it's a 31-13 to win, and there's a lot of good that came out of this game as well. But it just seemed – sloppy and inefficient at times, and I was hoping for a little bit better, especially coming off a a really tough game uh, against the 49ers. But, uh, you know, it's not always easy going all the way West Coast, all the way East Coast on back-to-back weeks. Uh, They'll finally get a couple home games back-to-back coming up. So I think we'll get a better indication, I guess maybe pending weather these next couple weeks of of where they're at. But I think this was a a win, and we'll take it, but maybe not the, the sexiest win in the world in any way, shape, or form. But that's okay sometimes, too. I think that transitions well into kind of how the offense plays. And you're kind of the offensive guru here, and you do so much studying of the the Packers offense. So I'm really interested to hear your take here. But I was sort of shocked to see actually some of the efficiency that they had on offense when I went back and looked at it. I, I kind of thought that they really kind of fell apart in the middle of this game. But if you look at it, they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal to open the game. Mm-hmm. And then they had the punt. It was halftime. Then they punted again. But then they had another touchdown drive on a 14-play, 75-yard drive. Then they had another touchdown drive. Then they punted, and then the, the game was basically over. They just kneeled down from there. So uh, five of their first seven drives, they scored points on. And five of their eight total drives, not including uh, the kneel downs to end the game, uh, five of their eight drives, they, they scored points on, and four of those were touchdown drives. So you, you put that in, into perspective, and it seems like a pretty good day from an efficiency standpoint on offense. You, you score that often, especially touchdowns. You're, again, you're going to win more often than not, but it felt disjointed at times. I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it did. There's a, um, you know, like I said, I'm going through it now. There's a, um, there's a timing issue to some of this stuff, and some of it, I, you know, I don't know how much it's due to, to Adams being back. Um, I, I mentioned this on the podcast last week. Uh, Peter Bukowski wrote an article over at Acting Packing Company. I think I'm allowed to say his name. I'm allowed to say his name, Andy. I'm saying his name. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have to. I'm forced to be a teammate with him now at Packer Report, so <laughs> I got to be nice to him, which is really difficult. But yeah, you can say his name. Yeah, he wrote an article over at Acting Packing Company last week about how uh, the Packers' offense is not operating as well as it had been. Uh, when Adams was out, since Adams has come back, but how that's not the fault of Adams, and that doesn't mean the Packers are a worse team with Adams in there. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a good article, you know, it kind of broke some uh, broke out some stats to go with it as well. But it just seems like the timing for this team, and, and again today, I mean, some of it is the throws are a little off, but the breaks maybe aren't where they should be. As you know, I just watched there's a play with uh, with Devontae on a on a quick curl that looked like a three step drop, bang, balls out. Devontae's not there now. Is that is that Devontae? Not out of his break is that Rogers throwing it short? It's tough to tell just on this view, but there is kind of this this weird sense of timing, and I think you know like this game too. I think part of it is 
you know, trying to get the run game going, which makes sense because in the snow, uh, the Giants, I think, coming into the game for football outsiders were 14th in the league uh, against the run and I think 32nd against the pass. So, yeah, they were they're better against the run specific up the middle, which is what the Packers are trying to do. So there was this kind of disjointed nature. It's snowy. It's harder to throw. You have to throw because you can't get the run game going. Uh, but there's just a weird it's a weird timing. I also just watched Rodgers throw a no-gain uh, flat pass very quickly to Jamal Williams on third and 13. Like, just there were some, <laughs> there were some weird decisions like that uh, where so, sometimes he's going a little deeper than he should and sometimes a little shorter. I'm not sure this game specifically until we dig into it exactly what that's going to be, why that is. But there is that there is still a sense, um, I, I, you know, definitely with me and with you and with a lot of people, that there's just still – there's still something off. They're still trying to work out this whole how is this offense that works so well kind of the targeting running backs uh, now that Adams is back and trying to get him in the mix. How does that work? And I think that's affecting timing as well because it just doesn't look quite the same. Um, I don't know. I, I, th- I think they'll get there, but I think that's I think they're still trying to figure out how to all to play together, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think uh, you bring up a really great point there in some of those those timing plays and those short passes because I think a lot of us, myself included, are calling for the offense to be more three- and five-step drop, get the ball out of your hands, let your playmakers do their jobs, and let them get the yards after the catch and don't have all these extended plays and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. But at the same token, a lot of those three- and five-step quick drops where you're getting the ball out of your hands quickly aren't working. The the rhythm's not yeah. there. The timing's not there. We've seen MVS and Rodgers not be on the same page multiple times. We've seen Adams and Rodgers the last few weeks, which is very odd for those two, not always be on the same page. So it's one thing to want those things and, and to get the ball out quickly, but if those things aren't working, yeah, at some point you do have to try something a little bit different. So, uh, it, it, again, it's a little bit disjointed on offense. Some of those rhythm plays have to get fixed because you want to be able to hit some of those really quick short passing games so the defense has to come up play some of those and then you can hit maybe some double moves and some stuff after that if the if the short intermediate stuff's not working it just sets your offense back and it starts setting you up in some of those third and long situations as well which is where uh, Green Bay has really struggled and then I think you made another great point as well uh, on some of those third you know there was the third and one or third and two where they're taking the shot play down the field which I'm actually not always a against. I think there's actually uh, a good opportunity to hit on some of those plays, but they missed on it today, of course. Mm-hmm. And then you have the third and what, 12, third and 14, where it was pretty much an immediate, you know, short pass to Jamal Williams, which went nowhere. So yeah. it was just, just things that were a little bit off in this game. Yeah. And I think some of it from the quick hitting stuff as well, um, kind of the, my working theory that it depends on the defense they're playing, obviously. I think there's a team speed component to that as well, because if you don't have the speed, you at a lot of places to threaten defenses to sit back, they're going to come up, which obviously then clogs some of the the shorter passing lanes. So that three-step slant maybe isn't open because they're not really threatened that anything else is going to happen. So you, there's a, there, I think there's a what what can the offense hurt the defense with component to that as well that, that kind of harms some of that shorter stuff. Well, that's – and I, I always talked about that with Jordy Nelson. When Jordy Nelson when it was in his prime and he could beat you off the line of scrimmage and hit – you know, how many passes did they hit uh, deep to Nelson one-on-one? And defensive backs had to play that off. And that's why that little short curl route and those little, you know, quick slant routes to Nelson were there so often mm-hmm. was because he could beat them off the line and beat them on those fade routes. And as soon as he had the injury and he couldn't hit some of those – you know, didn't have the speed to win on the fade routes anymore, well, defenders started playing him closer to the line of scrimmage, started pressing seen him a little bit more, and then all of a sudden those little quick timing routes that Rodgers and Nelson could hit in their sleep started to dry up, and that's where things started to kind of go south with that. So yep. to your point, I think that's exactly what can happen with players like Geronimo Allison and maybe Lazard to an extent, uh, and I just think MVS from not being on the same page all, all the time, if you're not able to, to press the, the defenders deep, they're going to play you short, and then again, the timing issue is going to be off. So yeah. uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. All right, let's transition over to uh, defense. Again, they only allowed 13 points, had three turnovers. The Darius Smith was a beast again, but what, what was your reaction to the defense on this in this game? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of porous. Um, the, like you said, the turnovers I feel better about if they felt like they, they forced them. Um, Kenny, Kenny Clark had just that really monstrous stop that was uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. We were talking about if he, if he would have broken off the grave digger on that, that would have been an absolute <laughs> perfect time by shutting that, that, that center, I believe, and just, just blowing up the backfield. Uh, so yeah, a little porous, um, but yeah, I mean, something they gave up 13 to a team that put up 14 on the Bears. Uh, I know the Bears, haha, Bears, um, Bears are 
per Fabazzo's fourth-ranked defense in the league this year, and this Giants team put up uh, 14 against them just last week. So, you know, holding the 13, I'm not saying, you know, that, that that's a great feat, uh, but holding the 13, it's not like that's the end of the world. You would have thought everything was burning, but I do think there's still – you know, outside of uh, the pressure, which, which is good. You know, Zadarius Smith, my God, my God in heaven, Andy, Zadarius Smith. Yeah. Um, still, it's still, again, the same issues. It's, it's you know, Kevin King cropped up again today, and uh, some of that, the linebacking core. Uh, I think everyone kind of had the same thought of the, the fourth and five that had Blake Martinez sitting seven yards deep for some reason. It's, it's still those same issues, and it is a little porous, and they were able to take advantage of some very poorly thrown balls today. But it's still, it's still concerning. I would say I'm, I'm, it's still concerning, but giving up 13 points, uh, on the road, that's pretty good. That's not bad. I know it's such a Jekyll and Hyde game on both offense and defense in this game, because you look at, you look at paper, right? You look at the box score and you see 13 points allowed, three turnovers, Saquon Barkley, only 83 yards rushing on 19 attempts. They went punt and then they had the touchdown drive. And then the rest of the game, they went interception, field goal, halftime, field goal, interception, interception, turnover on downs. Like, they had the, the second, you know, touchdown drive, and then the remainder of the game they had two field goals, and that was it. You would take that every single time. And, again, I don't care who you're necessarily playing against, but you watch it and you see some of the same things. And I, I think that really is what it is. It's, it's, it's maybe not growth in some of the areas that have been a struggle for this defense throughout the entirety of the season. It's, it's playing a little bit passive when you had them on fourth and five playing in conditions and Daniel Jones a rookie quarterback is in the game and instead of bringing pressure you're going four-man rush and you know you're playing a a very soft zone defense and again allowing that completion over the middle it was just some plays like that that were frustrating Kevin King getting beat a couple times is frustrating but I do think uh, Mike Pettin in this game a little bit and you made uh, mention of it earlier I think he kind of played the long game in this one a little bit and you know he knew that maybe uh, Daniel Jones would complete some passes here or there but if he played some soft zone coverage behind and, and tried not to get beaten uh, deep, although, you know, King did have the one play where he got beat deep for the touchdown. But I think overall they did a pretty good job of keeping everything in front of them and waiting for Daniel Jones to make a few mistakes. And thankfully he did so. They took advantage. And that was really kind of the story of the game at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they gave up um... – there was a couple of plays that I feel like came back on penalty, and there was one kind of up the seam that came back on penalty. And so I think that's that's like a prisoner of the moment type thing. As you're watching it, you're like, oh, crap, they gave it up. And then it turns out they didn't give it up, but that still sticks in your mind that, like, this defense gave up that big play, even though the big play didn't end up doing anything. So I think that's that's part of it, I know, for me as far as thinking like a porous defense. But, yeah, I think you're right. It was <laughs> – Pretty good strategy. Uh, keep the guys in front of you. Don't give up the big play, and then just hope he screws up eventually. And, and he did because he's young and he's Daniel Jones. Yeah, so it ended up working. But and I think we're on the same page here, Dusty. You know, part of this, this game kind of as a whole felt a little bit like like fool's gold. Like it was a, it was a really great result. It, it it looks good on paper. It it tastes good. You get a victory Monday. Home, you're nine and three on the season. Like I said from the beginning, there's a lot of good here, but there just is something in the back of your mind that kind of creeps in and says, "Yeah, but it, it wasn't really that great." And that's, I guess, that's just kind of how I left the game as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think that like that's true. It is true. I mean, for all the reasons we just talked about, but at the same time, you know, they just they just got blown out by the Niners, and so it was supposed <laughs> to say the Giants are not the Giants are not good. It, it's still so weird to me. The Giants are not good. The Packers should win this game handedly, and then the Packers win this game handedly, and we think, well, but yeah, but like they could have won forty to nothing. Yeah, um, like I mean, I, I, it, there is value to like as we say, kind of looking at all this stuff, breaking all this down. Why does this not feel um, quite right? Why does this feel off? Because uh, there were some some issues here. But at the end of the day, they they went into another team stadium, which, by the way, they had a single road win all of last year. That was against the Jets, which people are still mad about because of draft things. Uh, they went into another team stadium on a snowy day in one thirty one to thirteen. Um, there are issues. There are issues. But this day they went to 9-3 and three and took care of business when they needed to take care of business after being well up the week before. So, I mean, that's it just – as far as the mood of the team, the overall, there's there's not going to be any uh, think pieces written about, you know, body language uh, this week, for example, sure. uh, which which is promising, which I think is really, really nice. So it's, 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 it is weird coming out of a 31-13 victory and thinking, boy, that didn't seem all that great because um, there are things to nitpick. But overall, um, it, it feels nice. All right, I'll stay positive the rest of the day. I promise. <laughs> how, how much? How much are you going to miss 
uh, not uh, being able to talk about whether or not the the Packers should lose for for draft positioning the remainder of the season. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just such a uh, you know the last two years we we just got spoiled by the ability to talk about whether or not the Packers should win or lose on any given week and have such a massive debate over it. I'm, I'm going to miss it, Dusty. I'm really going to miss it. Yeah, I'm I'm crying tears right now, Andy. Crying real <laughs> real honest to God tears. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I do a little bit miss it. I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's such a great topic to talk about. Anywho, uh, let's talk about special teams. There wasn't a ton to take away here. We actually had a positive punt return, Dusty, three yards. Um, however, it was probably fumbled. fumbled yeah. got yes, uh, but uh, we did have a positive punt return. J.K. Scott, a little bit back to normal. And then uh, talk about Mason Crosby. Tough situation. Just lost his sister-in-law. Uh, nails a 47-yard field goal in tough conditions. Four extra points. Um, certainly thinking about Crosby and his family, it cannot have been easy to go through all of this and then uh, have to go to New York and, and play today. But he is having a ridiculous season. He is now 13 of 14 on field goals, 29 of 29 on extra points for 42 of 43 on his kicks so far this season. So most importantly, again, thinking of Mason Crosby and his family, uh, I think he went right back uh, today after the game. But um, incredible performance by him and, and really one of the strong takeaways is just how he performed in that situation today. Today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just you know, I love any time you got to shovel snow out for the holder. Uh, that's always that's always fun to watch. So they had to do that, uh, which was which was good. But yeah, he's been, you know, obviously the situation is tough. Uh, he's been great all year, and it's one of those you don't realize. Um, I think his contract up after this year. You don't realize how good you have it until you watch other teams. You watch what's happening with the Bears kicker, who which I still maintain as a. Uh, a Nagy issue more than anything else. Uh, but even the Giants kicker last week against the Bears missed two within like 40 yards or something. Like, there's some bad kickers out there. So Crosby having the year that he's having, uh, just, just we got to appreciate it, man. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's why I think they they were very wise last year after that Detroit game where he was, you know, downright terrible. Uh, you know, they, they stuck with him. They, uh, you know, they rallied around him. He had a really nice rest of the season, and he's certainly paid off on their loyalty throughout this season. And, again, 42 of 43 on his kicks this season. You just don't see that, especially with the extra points getting extended. So mm-hmm. good on him. Uh, he's been a, a, you know, fantastic player, and I thought he did a really nice job in tough conditions today. Um, the other thing we always like to, you know, discuss on this show is is how they they fared on the injury front because again, it's always two games. You know, you had the game in and of itself, but then how did they actually hold up on the the injury standpoint? Because you know, you could win a game, but if you lose two or three important players, it's like, was it even worth it? Uh, but uh, you know, it sounds like today Tyler Lancaster was potentially the only injury. I I didn't see him come back in the game, uh, but it's possible that I missed that. I, I'm not sure if you noticed any other injuries. Oh, you know, I know Aaron Jones left for a little bit, but then he was yep. back, and we the, we were we went to a bar to watch it, and they didn't have the sound on for the game, so I didn't exactly hear what the issue was, and he went back into the little blue secret tent, but he was back in, um, didn't you know, didn't look great, but I think part of that was was some of the conditions, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't really notice nothing else I really picked up on. Yeah, it's, which is be which would be absolutely huge if they can go into the last quarter of the season uh, again relatively healthy and potentially they add a, a depth piece in Jared Valdir over the course of this week mm-hmm. as well, which would be nice. So um, you know you never want to lose anyone, but uh, I've I've actually been calling a little bit more for for Kingsley Kiki on the defensive line anyway. So hopefully Lancaster's good to go, but I, I do think King, Kingsley Kiki is ready to step in and play a few more snaps if needed if Lancaster is out uh, a couple weeks. Again, don't want to speculate. Hopefully he's back next week and hopefully. It's nothing serious, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that through the course of the, this week and uh, the rest of the podcast teams. I'm sure will keep you abreast of that as well. Uh, but to, if, if they came out of this with potentially only a Tyler Lancaster injury, that's that's a that's a pretty good result from an injury standpoint. Yeah, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Kiki had a pretty nice stop today too uh, after Lancaster went down. So yeah, they definitely an intriguing guy. So if he gets more snaps as a result, I like Lancaster. I think he's had a, not a great year, but I think what he can do is good. But yeah, everything you said is right. Um, I don't need to say it again, probably. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, Kiki is actually the only player on the defensive line uh, besides Kenny Clark that I have graded in the positive. It's in massively limited snaps. So I uh, <laughs> say it with a grain of, uh, you know, grain of salt, and he, he'll have to do that over the course of a, a game before you know, you're ready to, to label him as anything. But when he's played in very limited time, I've, I've been impressed with what I've seen. So uh, hopefully, regardless, uh, again, hopefully it's that Lancaster's you know, healthy, but I, I would 
would still love to see uh, Kingsley Kiki get a few more snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, not an MVP of this specific game, uh, maybe one in the future, but I'm, I'm curious to hear who your maybe MVP or MVPs were uh, from this game in speci- you know, in particular. Oh, I'm going to go, um, you know, on defensive side, I'll say Kenny Clark, uh, just because I, I think, you know, he was kind of, he played injured and I think he was not, not playing his usual dominant self. We've gotten used to a level of play from Kenny Clark over the over the past couple of years, and he has not been doing that. And I think some of that was was the injury bothering him. The past couple of weeks, he's really shown up. Uh, he did some very very good things on the defensive line. I think you could put Zadarius Smith there as well. But I just like what Clark did in the middle. So I'm going to go uh, Kenny Clark and offensive side. Um, you know, you touched on him earlier this game, maybe even yours. Uh, I may just say Jamal Williams. Uh, just because this this snow game, like he was fighting for every single thing, man. Like he was he was tough to bring down. He was catching passes. Uh, I just I really like. I love. I've been a Jamal Williams guy uh, since since his rookie year. Um, just I know a lot of people didn't like him. He's a little more limited than Aaron Jones. I get it. I get it. Uh, but he's. I've always said he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. He's got a little more wiggle uh, to his run game. He's a little faster, straight line that people give him credit for. So I just always thought he was a little better than people give him credit for. And seeing him being used as kind of a little more versatile weapon in this year has been tremendously exciting. And I just, I just really like the the attitude he brings every week. Just that that big smile, the dancing, and just what he brought specifically to this game. That that hard running, catching the ball. Tough runs. Uh, I just—he may not have been the flashiest guy out there, but just what he brought to this specific game. There's something about just watching a man run other, over other men in the snow. I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's pure football, and it's absolutely what you love to see. And I'm with you. I, I've been a little bit more, you know, tough on Williams just because I would love to see a little bit more explosiveness generally from the running back position. Uh, coming into this year, he really struggled with getting some of those explosive plays, which I, I do think is something that's uh, very much needed at the running back position. Uh, but make no mistake about it, the impact that he has had on this team as a pass blocker, as a receiver out of the backfield, running in games like that, he has run hard, not just in this game, but he has run hard Mm -hmm. all season long. Um, Like you said, just some of the dancing, some of the fun in the locker room, he impacts this team in a lot of different ways. And for a number two running back, uh, man, that is a blessing to have on this team. So while I would love a little bit more explosiveness from the running back position uh, than what I think sometimes Jamal Williams brings, no mistake about it, he has brought a lot to the table. And I like what he did in this game as well. And that run specifically that you're talking about was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as MVPs in this game, um, I do uh, get... uh, you know, talk to a little bit for, about being basic on my MVP pick. So I'm going to go a little basic here with Zadarius Smith. I just think he impacts the game in so many different ways, and I thought he was all over the field again today. So uh, here's my defensive pick. On offense, I'm going to go Brian Belaga, though. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't even care uh, how he ends up grading out. I don't, I don't even know specifically if he had a good day or bad day uh, pass protecting or run blocking, and frankly, I don't even care. And the reason I say that is because I guarantee you it's better than the alternative uh, of, <laughs> of what else may have been out there. And uh, I just think that the fact that he went out there and grinded through that game when you could tell he wasn't 100% in the snow, on the road, uh, at this stage in his career, in the the last year of his contract, he easily could have said, screw it, you know, I'm going to take a week off. I'll see you back at Lambeau next week against Washington. Uh, so for him to go out and grind out that game, it's just such a such a Brian Bulaga Iowa performance uh, <laughs> in every, you know, you know, step of the way. And I really appreciated what he did, and I think he, he deserves it. You know, offensive linemen don't always get that credit. It, and today, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, man, when he went down last week, it was is is he done for the season? Right. Like we just don't know. And then it was with the sprain MCL. But yeah, seeing him out there and you know Rogers, Rogers was kept. I mean, relatively clean. I don't think uh, I don't think you picked up a sack. Very few pressures or hits even. Um, so yeah, it's not like the Giants are a ridiculous uh, pass rushing team by any stretch of the imagination. But they got, they got a couple guys who can get after it. So Balaga, yeah, definitely held his own a week after we thought he was done for the season and, and maybe played his last game in Green Bay. And like you said, last year of the contract, he could very much have said, uh, no, I'm rehabbing. Um, we're going to be yep. good for at least a week or two because I need a contract next year. But uh, that's not that's not Brian Balaga's game. But yeah, he's just amazing seeing him out there and, and play pretty well. This is a this is a conversation for another day, but do you think they bring him back next year? Yeah, uh, I think yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't really looked too much at the money situation. I know there's a bunch of guys that got to resign. Uh, I I think that the price of tackles uh, being as high as it is, I think Bulaga probably. 
I think he's good, but I also don't think he's commanding a ton of money in the open market. At least not as not as much as say another tackle would be. So I think they're going to make a run at it. Now whether or not you know another team swoops in or not, I don't know. I gut feeling right now, I think he's back. Yeah, I think so too, and I think they'd be smart to get that contract done sooner rather than later. He is a staple of this team, and you know it's a position where players play well into their 30s. You look at Jason Peters, Andrew Whitworth uh, in the league right now. Uh, you know players can play uh, you know quite a quite a while in this league at that position, and he's still in his early 30s. You know, so uh, this is not like he, it feels like he's maybe like 38 years old, but he's 31, yeah. and uh, I think he's still got some good football. You, I don't think you can count on him for a 16 game season. Um, I don't think that's wise to expect that. I think you need to have good depth there but if you get 12 games out of him and it, you know you're going to get 12 good games so uh, I think that's definitely worth whatever it is they pay him but like I said that's probably more of a uh, conversation for another yeah. day uh, one thing that I think is a little bit interesting uh, this is a horrible segue uh, but anyway I'm going to go with it anyway uh, as people listen to this uh, on Monday it will uh, be the one year anniversary of the Packers loss to the Arizona Cardinals and the subsequent uh, firing of Mike McCarthy uh, I'm not saying this to pile on Mike McCarthy. I'm saying this more as just a general observation. Uh, since that time, uh, with Philbin and Lafleur, the Packers have been 11 and five uh, in those 16 games since. The, pre- the previous 16 games under McCarthy, they were 5-10 and one. So they went 5-10 and one in their last 16 with McCarthy. Since then, 11 and five. And the biggest thing I just want to, you know, well, one, it's just an observation, but two, I want to ask you. What do you think has been the biggest differentiating factor between that time period? And I'm not just necessarily saying from a coaching standpoint. Obviously, the talent is different. They brought in Zedarius. They brought in Preston. Mm-hmm. They brought in Turner and Amos, you know, Darnell Savage and, and Elton Jenkins and the new coaching staff. So I'm curious, though, what do you think has been the biggest difference in those two 16-game periods? Well, you know, you know Rodgers is healthy. Uh, you know, last the past couple of years he hadn't been, and you know, last year, uh, you know, there's, there's some overlap here. But by the time Philbin came in, you know, Rogers still clearly wasn't 100%, but he also wasn't wearing the brace anymore. So you have uh, part of it's a healthy Rogers. Um, I think the other part of it, and you know, I, I think I will talk coaching and I will talk scheme because hey, why not, man? That's what I look at. Um, I think this year specifically, these nine wins that they have this year. Uh, so much. I mean, it's what we've talked about uh, over the past couple of years with Aaron Jones is why don't they use him right? Why there's these different – you've got these different pieces, but it's this why aren't they using him the way that they should be using him almost? That's, that's a terrible way to say things, but I think you understand <laughs> my point. Uh, the, the, how how they focused on using Aaron Jones, getting him involved. I mean, obviously they're, they're trying to get back to some of that after Adams has come back, but using Aaron Jones in a way that actually – Makes sense for his skill set. Not just he's not a lineup back. He is not a, a you know he can he can do a whole bunch of stuff. He's not a third down back. Uh, he can split out as a receiver, which we've seen a ton of this year. I think using using players a little more to their strength um, than, than what McCarthy had traditionally done. Uh, I, I think has been good. Um, that's that's been one of the biggest things. That and I think again the Aaron Rodgers just just being being upright, being upright and mobile ish. You know. Yeah, I think I think the health of Aaron Rodgers is a big piece of that. I think the you know attacking the three positions that they were really awful at for the the previous uh, you know 16 games, which is safety, guard, and edge rusher, and really attacking those and plugging those holes is a, a huge differentiating factor. And and honestly, and maybe this is overblown, maybe it's not. I just ultimately think that they they needed a new voice and, and just some new ideas. And I don't think it was necessarily that McCarthy was lost or uh, forlorn in his ideas. And and I think we're seeing some of the same issues on offense this year at times as we did with Mike McCarthy in the last couple of years. So I don't think it's just a, an apples to apples, you know, difference. But I do think that just some new ideas, some new thoughts, and a new voice has helped that locker room quite a bit as well. And again, that's not a hit on McCarthy; is it's just uh, I think they just needed something new. Yeah, I mean that always goes back to with the Bill Walsh thing, right? That was. Um it's rare that a coach can be successful past 10 years just because of the you lose some of that voice. You, it's the same message over and over again, and it, that burns out. No, that's not true everywhere. I mean, Belichick's been in New England for, you know, 50 years now, and <laughs> Sean Payton's been doing good work in New Orleans, but even New Orleans has had their down years. But I think uh, traditionally you look at that 10-year mark, basically because Bill Walsh said it, and I'd like to say, take anything Bill Walsh says, I'm like, yeah, that's, Bill Walsh said it, that's probably true. Um, I, I do think it was, and, and just based on some of the comments on the offseason as well, he had a whole lot of, like, McCarthy was great. However, I do feel like it was time for a change. So, yeah, that, that it's it's tough because you can't you can't quantify that, 
right? It's just kind yeah. of it's this is this kind of nebulous thing that's out there that's that's well, that's probably a thing, but we have no way whether we can say they're not because we're not in there. But uh, I do think that I do think that plays a huge huge part of it. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, we'll see how uh, things you know progress the rest of the season. It's a long way to go in the the Matt Lafleur era. It's off to a great start, but uh, you know it, it's sometimes easy to to come in and, and have things work. I mean, look at Matt Nagy, you know, from uh, a season mm-hmm. ago, uh, Coach of the Year discussion to a couple weeks ago, wondering if if he was going to make it through this season. So things can change on a dime. And, and Mike McCarthy had a tremendous run, uh, what over a decade or a decade plus, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, with the head coach of the Packers. So um, we'll see what happens in this next regime, but it's it's certainly off to a really great start so far. Uh, quickly, Dusty, let's take a quick look around the league. Uh, 49ers lost today. Uh, Saints won earlier in the week on Thanksgiving. We have Viking Seahawks uh, on Monday night football. As we stand right here, uh, as we're recording on Sunday night, the 49ers are currently at the one seed, the Saints at the two, the Packers at the three, Cowboys at four, Seahawks at five, and Vikings at six. Things will for sure change tomorrow with the Vikings and Seahawks game at the bottom. Uh, if the Seahawks win, you know, they switch spots with the, the 49ers and things get crazy up top. If the Vikings win, they switch spots with the Seahawks. So things will get crazy, but as we see right now, uh, it would be a Vikings at Packers opening round game. Uh, any takeaways from this week in, in football, though? No, I mean, you know, one of the things that uh, we so we went to a bar. One of the reasons we went to a bar because we wanted multiple TVs is because we wanted to keep an eye on that Niners, the Niners Ravens game. Because I mean, the Ravens just setting the entire league on fire. What they're doing, uh, you know, not to get off on a tangent, what they're doing with Lamar Jackson and kind of what they're doing with that offense is just tremendously fun to watch. Uh, it's just it's kind of amazing what they're doing. Uh, one of my big takeaways, Packer centric, was just uh, so the, the Niners embarrassed the Packers last week. And then they held the Ravens to 17 points. The Ravens, who had been plowing through every single person. That made me feel slightly better about the Niners game. I mean, they, they still got killed. But the fact that they took and, and the Niners end up losing, but uh, even though the Ravens won, they still held that team that had been bulldozing people to 17 points. So that, that defense is for real. I mean, so that made me feel slightly better about the game last week. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's at this point, I'm not really thinking about the one or the two. I'm, if that happens, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Um, I'm just thinking about you just you get to the dance, man, which at this point it seems like they're certainly going to do. You know, as you said, Monday things will shake out. Things will shake out even more for the Packers when they beat the Vikings again. Uh, you know, that that would likely be for the division. So it's it, my takeaways are just the Packers are still going to the playoffs. You get to the playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen at that point, whether you're a one or a two or a six. You get to the dance, things break your way. I've been saying all season uh, the Packers seem to be building to something here. Uh, they're, they're not. I, I still think it's it's weird, man. You know, they're, they're nine and three. I still feel like it's a year too early. There's still some pieces they really need to clean up. Uh, there's some stuff they need to clean up. But they've been. They're they're still you know operating. They're trying to operate a little more smoothly. And I feel like some of the stuff they're putting together on offense is clicking a little better, even if sometimes it seems like a little more herky jerky. But I feel like by the by the time the playoffs come off, they're going to be a little smoother than they are now. So regardless where they set up, I don't really care as long as they make the playoffs. I feel like they'll have a shot to go on a run. Uh, So it'd be nice to get that one or two, but honestly, I'm not really sweating it too much. Yeah, well, like you said, if they get in the playoffs, whatever happens, happens, and uh, that that game with the Vikings will will certainly loo- uh, you know loom large of whether or not they can uh, be hosting a game at Lambeau to start things off and potentially have a bye, or whether they're probably starting on the road. And it's not just up to that game. Certainly, uh, more Vikings losses and, and Green Bay could come up with uh, at minimum that number three seed anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, certainly they want to take care of business and and hopefully beat the Vikings either way. But some big games coming up. Uh, you know, Washington uh, should be uh, hopefully a, another get-right sort of game this coming week uh, at home at Lambeau, followed by Chicago at home and the Vikings and Lions both on the road. Uh, you've got Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, and then who knows who's starting that last Lions <laughs> game uh, You know, for quarterback, whether it's David Blau or whether Stafford's made his way back at that point. But not exactly the, the biggest gauntlet of, of challenging quarterbacks coming up. It's you. It's Andy Herman is starting week 17 for the Lions. I'd, so. I'd, I'd be totally in. It's, it should be good. I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, uh, David Blau played well. By the way, I was I was impressed by how he played on Thanksgiving, especially against a really good Bears defense. Still, but uh, that, that's another you know podcast for another day. Speaking of, it, I want to go back to uh, you talking about the Ravens earlier. I, I, will, I think you and I need to have just like a, a bonus pod talking about that Ravens offense because they are yeah. so incredibly fun to watch. And I'm with you. The 49ers holding them today. I know the, the Niners lost, but what they did defensively against that Ravens really juggernaut offense so far this year, I thought was impressive nonetheless. And uh, it. it it made me feel a little bit better about the Packers, but honestly, it made me almost a little bit more scared of the 49ers uh, come playoff time as well, because that is a massively talented Ravens team, and I, I thought the 49ers did a pretty good job. And I think if they played that game, uh, you know, probably 10 times, I think both of those games might win, you know, both of those teams might win five of those games. But uh, smart move on your part to go to the bar and watch both of those games. Uh, I had I had red zone in the, the Packer game going at the same time, so I saw a little bit of it, but... Uh, yeah, that's, uh, again, another podcast for another day. Uh, <laughs> any any uh, final uh, thoughts or takeaways as uh, we head out today, Dusty? No, nothing immediately springing to mind. You know, it's, it's Packers sitting 9-3. and three. Again, snow game, which is always great. Um, it, it's it's – it's, uh, like we said a lot, It's this game was weird. This season has been weird because aside from a game or two here or there, they still feel like they're rounding into their final form, um, and they are 9-3. and three. So I'm celebrating the fact that they're 9-3. and three. That's amazing. They are very much likely, unless everything falls apart very quickly, they're going to go to the playoffs. That's amazing. It's a first-year head coach. Um, it's super exciting. There's a ton of things to be excited about. There still seems like a bunch of stuff that needs to be cleaned up, and some of that probably not until this offseason. But uh, – yeah, just I'm I'm enjoying the season, man. Um, every game, you know, not the Niners game, but every game, even then, I found things to love. Every game, I find something to love on on both sides of the ball. Uh, it's been a really fun season uh, to write about. Certainly, I mean, I think last season was. I'm sure you felt the same way, Andy. Last season felt like kind of a slog at times. Just it felt like I was writing the same thing over and over again. Uh, this season, uh, they're mixing it up a little, and it's at least they're doing something interesting on both sides of the ball every single week, um, and I, I, I just I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate the fact that uh, there's a lot of bad teams out there. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks. There's a lot of bad kickers. There's a lot of bad everything. The Packers are doing pretty well overall, and they are at least interesting and fun to watch on a week-to-week basis, at least I believe. So it's been a, been a really fun season. That's my last thought. It's uh, just been a good one, man. Yeah, this is uh, my third year grading uh, every play for for the Packers, and uh, after a season of, of Brett Hundley, basically, and then last season's, <laughs> you know, kind of nightmare of a season and, and just everything falling apart, uh, it's been a lot of fun to grade winning football, so uh, mm. that, that's certainly been a takeaway, but it, it's really funny. Here's here's what I had written down, and it was almost years verbatim. I had a 9-3 and three winning season, lots of work still to do, but it's tough <laughs> to take these types of seasons for granted, and I think you hit that almost exactly on the head. That's literally verbatim what I had written down. So uh, it is. It's really tough to. It's a nine and three season, and uh, it, it, I will take that every single time. I don't care who's that quarterback. I don't care if it's a rookie head coach or a, a tenured head coach. I don't care what the situation or scenario is. I will take nine and three every single time uh, going into the last quarter of the season. And uh, I've I've been so impressed overall by how this team has been able to bounce back from defeats. They've had three losses. They've won the following game every single time. Uh, uh, they have not uh, lost uh, two consecutive games in the Matt Lafleur era, which is 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 something to take away. It really, mm-hmm. really is. You know, I, I think the and they got crushed twice. And, and the 49ers. And those can be demoralizing losses. And again, to be able to come back and win after both of those those times uh, and, and win convincingly in conditions, uh, I think is a, a really solid takeaway here. So I know at, at times maybe I've been uh, or leaned a little bit more ugh, in this game, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't want to take anything for granted here. And I have, like you said, been very much enjoying this season. So really excited to break down this game and, and see if it was maybe a little bit better. I thought maybe a little bit more eh than I thought. We'll, we'll see, and I think you'll have a lot of great breakdowns, um, and I'm, I'm excited to go through the grades as well. So uh, that's kind of my final takeaway as well. Awesome. Right. I'm sorry I, asked, yeah. I went first and stepped on your point, Andy. I apologize. No, you're all good. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, yep. Anything you want to plug on the way out? No, you know, I've got about a thousand different things going on. You know, I've got the Thursday podcast with Steve and Sarah. That's just, um, just amazing. I have a blast with those guys. And then uh, you know, at least three pieces going up every week. So if you're not already, if you're not already, I've got on Wednesdays a piece going up over at Packer Report that has uh, usually one or two pressure pieces, kind of looking at 
uh, what Patton is doing to dial up pressure based on the packages they're running out. A lot of it features Zedarius Smith, if, if you cannot, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> so that's on Wednesdays. Thursdays is my big thing over at Cheesehead TV where I take uh, five to six passing plays and kind of break down. Um, sometimes there's a theme, sometimes there's not in terms of what they're using, what they've used in the past to set up something, what they've used in that game to set up something, what they're running, why something works, why it doesn't. So that's on Thursdays. And then Fridays um, is – um, it's Dusty's Playbook. It's a very vain name. It's Dusty's Playbook over at uh, Packer Report, where I take one play and really dive in deeper, kind of talking about you know some of the specific concepts, um, the the history behind some of the concepts, why something works, why something doesn't, and just that one specific play. Uh, when I when I uh, took that column up, I think Ross told me uh, be as nerdy as you want to with it, uh, and so I've I've embraced that as much as I can. Um, so that's every week I've got that. So that's, uh, yeah, Wednesday and Friday at Packer Report and Thursday, what she said. Uh, that's that's my plugs. That's my plugs, Andy. Nothing specific, just days, just days to look at. You're grinding. I absolutely love it. You do tremendous work. You guys on the Thursday podcast are amazing. I uh, find myself uh, both learning something as well as laughing out loud on every single episode, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, fun backstory for anyone who you know is, is listening and, and kind of on our, our Slack channel on the back end. Uh, when Dusty completes his uh, uh, My Favorite Pressure every week, is it My Favorite Pressure or what, what is it exactly? Yeah, My Favorite yeah. Pressure, yeah. yeah. My Favorite Pressure. Every single time I see it, I swear it says My Favorite Pleasure. And I'm like, Dusty, <laughs> what in the hell are you writing about? My Favorite Pleasure. And I don't know where it's headed, but then I realize it's My Favorite Pressure. But It's just it's pa- Packers After Dark, Andy. <laughs> You're the the Cinemax version of, uh, of, Packer, of Packers. I'll take Report. it. I'll take it. Uh, but it's beautiful. It goes well with your uh, Snack a Day podcast. It's just a degree off of what I'm expecting uh, it to be. So you're you're doing tremendous work. I appreciate everything you're doing, and I appreciate you taking a little bit extra time to uh, join me tonight to break down the game. Yeah, yeah. you bet, man. Always a blast talking ball with you, Andy. Wish we could do a little more. Um, thanks uh, for having me on, brother. Absolutely. So check out Dusty's best article, My Favorite favorite Pleasure, every single week on uh, Packer Report. Check him out every Thursday on the Packer Day podcast. And, of course, check him out on Cheesehead TV as well. Uh, make sure to check out Jake and Ross tomorrow as they continue to break down this game as well as look ahead to the Redskins. I will be missing next Sunday. Uh, so you're going to get, I believe, Mike Wentland and Dan Kotnick next week. Uh, that is because instead of being a smart person and going to the game in the press box and covering it there, uh, I am going to go in the freezing cold and sit in the stands with my friends like an idiot. So uh, I'm going to go do that instead. So uh, I've got a lot of great friends coming down for the game and uh, I'm going to go celebrate with them and watch the game as a fan, uh, which I love doing as well. So uh, because of that, I'm going to have a fill in for me on the podcast next week. So I will see you guys back in a couple weeks after the Bears game. So uh, for Dusty Evely, I am Andy Herman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to listen tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.